Welcome back to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for Star Wars The Bad Batch. Turn down that alleyway. We'll be trapped in a choke point. You're going to have to trust me. What's up, Senators, and welcome back to Watch Club. My name is CT0831, but you can call me Hugs. And this is our Watch Club for Star Wars The Bad Batch, Episode 10, titled Common Ground. If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and Star Wars in general. So if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, be sure to do so, and then come right back in less than 12 parsecs. Now, before we all get rescued by a bunch of defected clones, let me introduce you to our experimental crew of ragtag troopers. First up, he's taller than a Jawa, smaller than Jababa, and just as entertaining as Jar Jar, he's... CT1231, also known as Edit. Do we have to talk about this episode? <laughs> I know. I think I did. Did I just say Jababa? Jababa. You did say Jababa. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, and rounding out our small battalion, we have the dopest, dankest dude on Dagobah, CT1006, but you can call him Joints. Yeah, I, I don't have much to say. I think that is the common ground of this episode, is that we... That's the common ground. <laughs> Well, I was going to say joints. I mean, I, I don't normally partake, but I, I might have needed one to get through this episode. I'm, how are you dudes doing this week? Uh, how's it going? Good, man. You guys doing good? Good. Yeah. 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 Got a pretty conventional, uh, maybe even less conventional episode in some ways. Uh, maybe you guys feel the same way. But before we challenge the entire criminal community of Old Mantel uh, to a game of Dejaric, Let's get your high-level thoughts on this episode. Joints, why don't you start us off? Uh, you know, kind of a, uh, almost a letdown after the last two bangers of episodes. So, mm-hmm. I mean, kind of expected it to be a bit slower. They did just do a big, you know, mid-season reveal. But, uh, yeah, it was a bit slower. I mean, they kind of just reiterate things we already knew. And yeah. nothing, nothing new really came to mind from yeah. it, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Justin, how about yourself? Yeah, no, after the banger episodes that we've had and, and what looks like, what looked like in the last few episodes, momentum to... We talked about the snowball. Yeah. What happened mm-hmm. to the snowball? Oh, man, this thing didn't just slow down. It, like, full-on braked. Like, it yeah. went backwards in a way. Oh, yeah. Oh, it smacked into the side of a boulder yeah, and stopped Yeah, and it just, it just <laughs> pedaled. And, and it was just... I don't know, this is my least favorite episode from this season. Um, it could be one of those things, like, we were talking about uh, for for Loki episode three of of the season, mm. where it, it could have implications to no. to something more. I, I think no, I'll I'll, sh- I'll wait to. to to discuss, but I think okay. I think that this whole theory of could it have a larger impact? Um, and and it'll be interesting to see. You guys could probably okay. shoot All it right. down. So All right, we'll see. All right, well, I'm I'm interested to see. Uh, for me, I mean, I'll say this: there were some cool visual callbacks to a Star Wars series, a previous Star Wars series that I, I'll touch upon a little bit later on. Uh, and that really worked for me, getting to see Clone Force 99 do what they do best. Um, and, it, you know, it was, I guess, it was somewhat interesting to see what happened to the Outer Rim planets during the Imperial occupation uh, and how that all went down. But, like, 
this side storyline didn't do anything for me really and and really honestly neither did the the character they introduced and even though he's voiced by uh, Star Trek alum uh, Alexander Siddig Dr. Bashir from Star Trek Deep Space 9 he just I don't know if it was the like his delivery was great I just think the writing wasn't that compelling in terms of of what he did for this episode that goes or for the could whole do episode. for the overall story. I think that right? goes yeah. for the whole episode, though, right? It's not just necessarily the writing for his character, but I, I agree with you, sure. Nate. Like, his character wasn't necessarily as impactful, but it, it just kind of showed the sort of resistance, if you will, you know, yeah. uh, to, I, to but the I mean, Imperial we, Order. In our, in, our, in our latest episode of, of, uh, of our Loki Watch Club, we talked about the fact that, like, it's so cool how, and I won't spoil anything because who knows if people are watching that series while well, watching this one. Probably are. But um, it's so cool to see how Marvel can sort of take so many different, they can pick from so many different characters to bring up into the MCU, especially with the idea of multiverses. And just with Star Wars, it's just like, yeah, it's cool to bring in new characters, but make them memorable. Make them someone I want to see come back or... Pick from the 900 billion characters you have uh, that you could have brought in in this instance to make it a little bit more special. I don't know. I don't know. Let's get let's get into this, guys. Let's get into this. This episode opens on Raxus, uh, an outer rim planet, as in the as Imperial Captain Bragg speaks before a wary crowd in the capital city. She introduces Senator Avi Singh, who reluctantly begins to justify the Imperial occupation to his constituents. Uh, when he stops switching his stance to calling the occupation unjust, he's dragged away from armed troopers. Uh, then uh, he he kind of tells his his droid to to call someone or call for help or something. Uh, and then just as people start to rise up, armed troopers and walking tanks move in to quell the crowd below. So, what did you guys think of seeing Raxus and the separatist colonies sort of uh, immediately, you know, rejecting? The Imperial rule, Justin. Well, I think we've been to this planet before in Clone Wars, have we not? I, I feel like, and I remember it from Clone Wars as being very, uh, I guess, British inspired, and and this kind of felt very similar <laughs> sure. to that. No, well, it did because I remember there was a conversation that happens in like their Senate, or you know, and and it felt very traditional to how you would see in in sort of the uh, in England, right? With how am I how confusing? The, am I confusing it with like? Is this where Ahsoka had sort of that fling or that yeah, romance? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. then he was kind of turned, uses a puppet by Dooku yes. before yes. Lux, that Dooku Terry. killed his yeah. mom. Yeah, yeah. Right. So the the, yeah. the 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 importance of this this planet in sort of the you know in the Clone Wars conquest and now in the Imperial conquest, it it obviously is elevated. Um, I personally like the vibe that I got is very colonial too. Like it looks very colonial, and even the look of of the the look of the senator felt very of a colonial period of time. And you know, I, my dad uh, is is uh, was born and raised in in in, in India, and mm-hmm. um, during that time when he was born, it was very colonial. So I've I've seen a lot of photos of like the sort of hybrid culture of English and Indian, and that the mustache, yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but yeah. sure. But like, but like, even like the, the, the senators, you know, he had a very, you know, uh, obvious, uh, cultural representation applied to him. Um, and, and I think they did a good job at least with, with that, just trying to show, you know, more cultures within this galaxy. Uh, sure. that being said to see everyone rebel, I think this is just going to show the first sort of instance of, of people not necessarily accepting the imperial order right like, for sure uh well we, I, I remember that another time we saw raxus uh was in the books actually with the in dark disciple we see quinlan voss and asajj ventress go there to try and assassinate dooku so mm-hmm. like 
in both the stories or all instances if you've seen it, that it seems like the planet has never really taken the foreground of it. It's always just been the setting for a conflict or a, a plot point to happen. Uh, so, I mean, seeing it again, not same thing. Something just happened on the planet, and it wasn't again calling or calling up to say it's unique in any way. I mean, I do agree that it, it does have a very colonial look to it, but I feel like we've seen that on other planets already, 100%, in like Rebel yeah, series yeah, uh, and yeah. stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, it was nothing interesting about the planet itself. Uh, I thought it was interesting, though, the fact that we we're kind of see, getting the idea that the, the separatists are kind of being painted as, uh, you know, victims as well in this. They were kind of duped by the Empire, and now right. he's strong-arming his way into controlling their planets and stuff like that. So I think it's interesting to see uh, that spin and how, of course, Clone Force 99 reacted to having to go there and help him out because it seemed like they were very against it because they still think of the Separatists as their enemies. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but I mean, it's kind of, it's almost perfect that it was the Bad Batch that had to kind of come in and, and do this. They are maybe the perfect people to to bring into this specific conflict. Well, yeah, even Hunter said, he's like, I, I always imagine we go to Raxus, just not like this. Like they, right. He knew that their fight would be taken to that point, at, uh, to that planet at some point. But again, that's not, this isn't the fight he thought he would be fighting at the time. For sure, for yeah. sure. All right, well, let's let's get back into it here. Uh, back on Ord Mantel, the Bad Batch get their next mission from Sid to rescue Avi Singh from Raxus. Being former Republic troopers, as you were just saying, Clone Force 99 isn't thrilled about working for and rescuing a Separatist senator. Uh, but Sid reminds them that they have a debt to pay her, uh, so they, they, they should just go through with it. Uh, likewise, Hunter doesn't want to bring Omega to a planet swarming with Imperials. He tells the others she, she needs a break and orders her to remain with Sid on Ord Mantel. Not surprisingly, Omega is upset by being left behind, telling Sid it's unfair that she couldn't go on the mission and arguing that she's not helpless. Uh, when the Bad Batch land on Raxus, they learn their client is the Senator's droid, GS-8, working with a droid uh, and, uh, sorry, GS-8, working with a droid and on a mission to help a Separatist Senator has the group a bit grumpy. But through a series of sly maneuvers, tech tapping into the senator's home security system, uh, which is tech's like signature move, and you know, stunning a bunch of white armored troopers, uh, and as well as the imperial captain, the bad batch manages to free Senator Singh. In a brief but touching moment, Hunter forgets that Omega is not with them on the mission as he and Tech work to stun the troopers guarding Singh. And it wouldn't be a proper Bad Batch mission without some well-placed explosives uh, and the commandeering of an armored walker. I almost said wrecker. Uh, there's never a quiet escape with this group. So after fighting off multiple armored tanks and, you know, wrecker throwing stun troopers out of the door of their own walker, the Bad Batch is led to a dead end by Senator Singh. Tech questions the senator's directions, and Singh says, you'll have to learn to trust me. Uh, they do, and at the dead end, luckily, there's a hidden passageway that leads them safely out of the city. When they make it back to the Marauder, the senator stops and questions his decisions to leave the planet while his people are still suffering. He says, I cannot abandon my people. I must help them. Uh, his droid, GS-8, replies, you will, senator, but not if you're in imperial custody. Echo, who's been the most vocal with his displeasure about working with a separatist, agrees with the droid. She's right. Live to fight another day. So what did you guys think of the action throughout these moments and the senator's decision to leave? Uh, do you think he's he's really off to join the Republic? Uh, I thought, first off, like, the, all the co action scenes and, and the combat in this uh, uh, episode was, were, again, really visually stunning. I 
I found myself forgetting that I'm watching an animated show at some point just because of the, sure. the detail they've put into the stuff. Uh, so I thought that's really cool to see how far the animations come from, again, looking back at the first season of Clone Wars, where it's very clearly an animation, whereas this, again, feels more grounded in, in, in real life. Uh, I also thought it was very interesting. We got to see what uh, two ATTEs look like when they're about to mate and make a new little baby ATTE. <laughs> it did look like that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 100%. I, again, also, that whole combat just kind of reiterated the fact that Clone Force 99 is, is better than all the other clones in the army. So like, it was that's where I was like, oh, they're doing what they do best, but I kind of expected them to do that. There was no really stakes to the mission because you kind of knew they were going to pull it off. For and they're sure. just fighting and a bunch of lesser clones in the Empire. Yeah, Not it was there. It didn't seem, yeah, it didn't seem that harrowing. But I mean, the action, uh, just like you said, that was the highlight for me in the episode. And I think it is for mm-hmm. anyone who watches this episode. I, I, I wanted to call out um, a lot of the segments reminded me so much of Star Wars Clone Wars, mm-hmm. the Gendi Tartakovsky animated series from 2003. Um, there were sections of the episodes with very little dialogue and usually like usually with Clone Force 99 you get all that banter but it was kind of refreshing actually you know after seeing them something more uh, visually you know, oriented right yeah it was it was a little more visual right and and I got those vibes of you know sort of I, I felt a little nostalgic seeing these troopers these incredibly trained troopers uh, without any of the banter and I just it, it gave me those vibes of that series yeah. I, I really enjoyed that yeah yeah they really functioned without really communicating to each other they just kind of knew where they needed to be in order to get the job done it was cool yeah, yeah. I, I agree it's it's the highlight of this otherwise lackluster episode so you know they did a good job with it but you know i really don't know what they were trying to prove with all of this so uh, i have you know <laughs> we'll get there we'll get there i mean i also wanted to just mention like another episode without omega like or, or without them together i mean like literally she's she's literally sidelined in this episode and i was disappointed that we weren't going to be getting much more interaction between her and the, you know, her four trooper yeah, dads. But yeah, you like, I, I will say the, the one thing that got me though was, you know, when, when Hunter turns around to tech and, and he mentioned, he's like, Omega, you go this way or whatever, or you get Omega to do this or whatever. I just thought it's kind of cute to see like how much he's gotten used to having her around right, on yes, missions. Exactly. So he realizes his mistake. Well, that's, that moment, that's the so. significance of that moment. And I think that, you yeah. know, the, if you're going to take away something from it, there's that. Right. And there's also obviously sure. the rebelling against the, you know, Galactic Empire. So like there's that, yeah. and, you know, there's these two elements here. So it's, you know, if there's anything to take away from this episode. Yeah. Going off of the whether he's the Senator Abby Singh is going to join the empire, uh, rebellion or not. Who knows who his contacts through Sid are like who like I don't know where that's going. I, I almost feel like that's just uh, that was his character was more just for the Bad Batch to realize that. The separatists are also had no choice in what happened. To, to mm. kind of pinning them as the victim, sure. like that, I feel like okay. that was the only point of his character in this episode was to paint the separatists as the victims and, and as well, to, and to understand, the, yeah, and understand that yeah. the real enemy is the empire and and what, mm-hmm. what they what they stood for. They stood for for the enemy, actually, in actuality, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but I mean, but I mean, you know, it shouldn't take three geeks on a podcast for that to be apparent from an episode like this right like it should mm-hmm. really that should have stood out a lot more so mm-hmm. I, I hear what you're saying but um let's keep going here when when they get back to ord Mantel, uh they walk into sids and they see a crowd of people cheering at the players at the hollow chest table one person shouts no one can stop this kid uh it turns out while her dads were gone omega showed off her strategy skills at the hollow chest table giving her something to do that also contributed to the bad batch's overall mission of paying their debts sid tells hunter uh, uh, she's a natural, and that Omega made enough money to pay back their debt. 
Hunter, still a little grumpy, reminds Omega he told her to keep a low profile. <laughs> I wanted to be useful even if I couldn't go on the mission, she says. And then he, he kind of follows up and realizes, like, he shouldn't be that harsh on her because of what she's just done. And he says, well, how about we put those strategy skills to the test? Uh, pulling up a chair to face Omega in hollow chess. Um, the episode ends before their game is over, but it's, it's probably safe to assume that Omega won't be sitting out any more missions in the near future. Um, so, guys, now that the debt is owed, you know, that was owed to Sid is paid off, uh, do you think that we'll see more of her? And, guys, is it just me? Or would you rather have spent the time in this episode following Omega's rise to hollow chess infamy? Right? That would have been a far better episode. That's what I was thinking. As a side episode? (laughs) Come on. As a filler episode, that would have been like perfect. It it doesn't have as much of a purpose, but it's it's still impactful. And I would have loved to have seen Sid more and Sid interacting with Omega more. Like, I think that that's total missed opportunity. You know, the fact that Sid's calling Omega her friend now, it's yeah. like, yes, she won her a lot of money, but I feel like a lot more of it happened than just winning the money yeah. type thing. Yeah. Like, it, and the thing is, is like, it, it almost feels like with Sid's debt being paid off, like we're not going to see her again. And I really yeah. enjoy hearing uh, Rhea Perlman's voice in this series. I'm enjoying gone. that character. I, I, well, she better not because she deserves a better last episode than this. And I think, I think seeing Omega in like her own version of like the Queen's Gambit could have been like a really cool episode with, with Sid like coming in and and being like her coach. And like they could have played it up for like a really good gag and laugh. I I just, just seems like a missed opportunity. Yeah. yeah. Also, the fact that, uh, that the, um, the Weequay and the Ethorian clearly knew what to, like that Sid kind of stepped over the line saying she was useless and stuff like that. Like, it would have been cool to see Sid learn from those two random bar patrons how to sure. you know react and treat a little kid type thing. Right. Again, missed opportunity. It would have been really fun. Yep. But uh yeah, and that would have been the right seen more. That would have been the right way to step away from the main story. Something that's yeah. completely non-relevant and just different and it focuses on character. He's, Right, and it yeah. still achieves what that sets up for Omega as mm-hmm. a character, and what it does for the debt. Like mm-hmm. it, it just ah, we should be mm-hmm. writing this. <laughs> <laughs> the camera went the wrong way on that one for sure. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, for sure. So, like, here's my thing. I, I know we're wrapping up okay. here, and yeah. with the end of this episode, and like, there, like I said, the takeaways for me, at least from it, that could have larger implications is a someone in authority rebelling against the Galactic Empire. We right. see that you know Omega is a part of the team with the fact that you know. Hunter was looking for her. Um, I'm wondering also too if they've just painted a massive target on their back because they've right. infiltrated the planet and kidnapped the senator and, and got him right. off off planet. It's a big deal, right? So that's pretty big. So you know, but even to end with something where it got back to the Empire or someone was there and, and knew that they were coming and tagged their ship, like something that could have left us with some something to chew on a little bit more, rather mm. than what I'm what I feel like I'm doing is trying to create justification for this episode, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm also wondering if if what they're subtle implying is that you know clone force 99 and the bad batch are are huge contributors to the the start of the rebellion right Right. like i'm wondering if that's kind of where we're heading you know again i'm 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 stretching it based on this episode but why would you do an episode like this if it if it wasn't necessary to plant something or if it was literally how we think it is and it's just nothing it's literally meant to just be nothing and just a side mission. If that's the case, then yeah, I would have much rather followed Omega and Sid and seen that. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, listen, let's let's wrap up here. Wrapping up on the plot. 
Um, I mean, we've kind of already shared our overall thoughts, but I want to know your overall thoughts and your your final score for this episode, which for this episode, we're going to be rating on a scale of one to five antique vases. <laughs> so that tells you what the episode went. Justin, let's start with you, my friend. Yeah, well, I guess just kind of jumping off of what I was saying before, uh, you know, this episode was, I think, a missed opportunity and very weak. And to your point, Nate, if we have to sit here to try to figure out and pull out, you know, what this episode means for the larger story, then I don't know if it was really necessary. I think a huge, you know, missed opportunity is not focusing on Omega's story and that sort of bond that she gets with Sid, you know, uh, becoming, you know, the Queen's Gambit, right? If you, as How you cool will, that would have been, been sick. I, I love it. Right? I, I was thinking by like the 19, entire time. She wa- <laughs> like, imagine she walks by like 19 hollow chest tables playing all these different people exactly. at once. Like, oh! <laughs> Sid's like, this kid's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> He's so cool. Uh, but yeah, anyways, uh, for that reason, I am going to say that this is my least favorite episode of the series. Uh, not really leaving me with too much mystery or questions or anything like that uh, other than me making stuff up so I'm going to give this one a 2 out of 5 antique vases yeah, yeah. yeah. okay how about yourself yeah. joints uh, I'm kind of sitting on the same boat uh, as Justin it was very lackluster in overall you know story writing and stuff like that it was nothing happened there's no stakes to it again missed opportunity with Omega I, we talked about that enough I feel like we could have enjoyed that episode a lot more yeah uh, just based on what we set off right there. Uh, again, the only reason why I'm giving the score I am is probably because the action scenes. Again, it really the, the animation really blew me away. Uh, I probably have to deduct some points too because I now understand Dejaric even less than I did before because <laughs> right. as far as I can tell, there are no rules in that game. So... <laughs> Just confused by that. Have, this could have been an episode to establish what Dejaric really and, is all about, right? And like, another reason, another another missed po- uh, opportunity for Star Wars. <laughs> a way to explain the game that no yeah. one understands. Yeah. So I'm probably going to go at 2.2 at uh, Antique Vases out of 5. It, yeah, worst one of the series so far. And it was, again, the wrong direction to take after two epic episodes that we just had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's, you know, I would say this, the description for this episode on Disney plus is very misleading. Uh, the description is the batch has their ideology changed. That sounds like a much bigger thing than what we really, and I <laughs> mm-hmm. get it. Like they're, they played with the ideology of right. them and separatists and what have yeah. you. Right. But like still, it just, it didn't, it didn't land. Uh, you know, I realized I actually wrote a question of earlier about if the Senator was going to join the Republic and I'll be honest with you, I didn't write an answer to that because to my own question, because I don't care. I don't, I really don't. Right. Um, and that's how I felt throughout this episode. Unfortunately, I think the episode could have been much better with a more intriguing character, maybe worth saving. Um, you know, that has any sort of impact on the future of the series. Um, like what if, what if it was Sid? Like, it would be so cool if Sid was the one that they needed to save and that's how they paid off their debt. You know, like there's a bunch of different ways that you could have taken it. Yeah. Or why did it have to be Sid that they, that the droid reached out to? Why couldn't it have been like right. someone like Rex? Right. Or, right. you know, let's bring in, if we're going to bring in a, a rebellion connection, why don't we bring in, you know, Jimmy Smits? You know yeah, what I mean? Like, gotta, we got to get yeah. him in here somehow. I was hoping, I was hoping he'd be the last person she faces in Holochess. <laughs> <laughs> but I also think, you know, for this series, it, it might be best for them to take Hunter's advice and leave politics out of it. Focus more on the clone story and Omega. You know, earlier on, I think it would have made sense to explore these themes. But now that we've grown to really love these characters and especially Omega 
with everything that's going on with the mystery behind her. It just seems like that should be the focus, especially with only six episodes yeah, left. Yeah, right? absolutely. Listen, in the long run, I, I really don't think this episode, like you're saying, Justin, it's, gonna, it's not going to matter. Other than establishing Omega as a master strategist, how they paid off their debt, and why she's always on every mission now. So for those reasons, I'm going to give this episode two antique vases out of five. Um, so, you know, normally, uh, you know, you guys, you, you batches know, I more than anyone enjoy when we can batch it up about what's going to happen next on, uh, this series. But with this episode, not really giving us anything to batch about, uh, we're going to, we're going to hold off. And I think we're going to maybe see what episode 11 brings next week. Uh, and then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about what's going to happen batch. Uh, but guys, that's it for the 10th episode of our Watch Club for Star Wars The Bad Batch. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Watch Club. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or predictions on the shows we cover in Watch Club, well, listen, you don't have to beat 100 ne'er-do-wells in Holochest to pay off a huge amount of debt created by your insatiable appetite for Mantel Mix. Instead... Justin, can you let our listeners know how to reach us? They can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Keep in mind, we have our other watch club happening right now for Marvel's Loki. Darcy, without any spoilers, did you get a chance to catch that fourth episode and are you pumped? Oh, heck yes. I literally was fist bumping in my seat and my mom and brother looked at me like a crazy person. So... (laughs) I mean, you are a crazy person, and I'm stoked that we have your craziness uh, for our next episode of Watch Club for Loki. Yeah. You're going to be us for episode yes. five. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait to talk about whatever happens in that crazy show. It's, uh, dude, this is going to be the episode to have yeah. you on, so I'm super stoked. Uh, we also have a ton of other episodes uh, from our podcast covering the latest releases on Disney Plus out now, including our review of Marvel's Black Widow and our review for Disney's Monsters at Work. So go give those a listen and leave a five-star review if you could. And, and let us know, if you've been, you know what you've been enjoying about these watch clubs and, and what you'd like to see next. Justin, Darcy, thank you so much for joining me for this watch club. And as we say, good, good soldiers. soldiers. Follow orders. orders.